aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we are here in the studio. It's Saturday morning, and look at this. I'm here. Merle's here. We're all here. One big happy bunch once again. Kumbaya, <laughs> my lord. 715-845-2155 is the number to call if you have a question for Merle regarding your financial situation. Um, Today is the day to get it answered because we're live. We're in the studio. We'll take your phone calls. And, and we and really need somebody to talk to this morning. <laughs> I mean, so. Anyway, what you been doing? I haven't seen you in like weeks. We have had our whirlwind of uh, of camping throughout the course of the summer here, which uh, we had like camping, camping, Fourth uh, of July, hodag, camping, and uh, we're finally uh, you know back to the, the human place. And I'm not living in my camper until two weeks. Then it's the last camping. So then we're do you do you do actual camping or do you do glamping? Um, look at me, Tom. I'm not in a freaking tent. Come <laughs> on. You know, so, yeah, we, we pull up with a camper, and uh, though we do not have remote controls, we do have friends of ours that have remote controls that make all their stuff set up. Uh-huh. They just sit there and look at the camper and look mm. pretty as it sets up. We actually have to put blocks yet underneath our pads before we push the button to have the. You know, do you do you have investments in like camping companies? Uh, Companies that, you know, have camping stuff? No, but you know what? It would have been a great idea throughout the course of the last 18 months. There's so much money that's coming from stimulus that's going into camping and camping-type products. And, and uh, for those of you that camp, you know, um, once you get Camper A, it, you know, well, you really like all the stuff that somebody else's camper had. Then you get Camper B and C. I think we're on our fourth generation now since we started our camping. And uh, my wife has been beating me back with a stick from buying the next generation. She said, you know, well... We're doing less of this. Let's not get another new one. But the new ones are so cool. The, uh, it was funny because during the uh, pandemic, all of the people who were regular outdoors people, the people that camped and hiked and fished and did all of that stuff all the time, they were a bit miffed that all of these newbies were heading out to the woods because they couldn't go to concerts and they couldn't go to uh, oh, yeah. you know uh, sporting events. They couldn't do any of that. So they were out in the, in the great out- discovering the great outdoors and messing it up for the people who were there all the time. Yeah, so true. And you know what? To a certain degree, I'm happy people are doing this. You know, one of the recovery trackers that we look at is, is uh, as far as, you know, where is the economy doing? How are we doing? Are we coming back? And one of the things that hasn't come back yet, as much as we might believe, would be movies. We're just not going to the movies as we used to. Um, so those numbers are not coming back. And I hope that's where, because we're getting outside more. I'd well, I, don't they have to, are they counting in the number of people that are watching first run movies at home now? Because they're, they're offering those first run movies yeah, at I, home. I would, I would imagine so. Uh, because it, my guesstimation is if you're watching your first run movie, it's going to work much the same way as a theater. You know, when, when you go to a theater folks in a first run movie, uh, that initial box take, not much of it goes to the theater. Most of that first run goes to the, um, uh, movie producer or the movie itself uh, and then as time goes on you get lesser and less of a percentage i would imagine be the same thing i'd be surprised if it wasn't working in the, in, in the tv side of it for the we had that part. big story uh, i think it was friday that um, um scarlett johansson the star of black widow is suing disney because of that that the movie black widow was released it's in she says it's in her contract that the movie can only be released in theaters 
And the movie was released not only in theaters, but on Disney Plus at the same time. Yeah. And she's saying that violated her contract. And she's suing Disney for a lot of money because she's losing a lot of money, she claims, because she gets paid by whatever the box office gross sure. is. And well, if they're not including what's being paid for from the streaming services, that that's costing her big money. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, contract is a contract. You know, however you set that up, it makes perfectly good sense. Let's talk a little bit about what happened on Friday because we saw the tech stocks uh, taking a, a dive a bit uh, late in the week, Thursday and Friday. Um, some of the earnings reports not up to expectations. And so some of the tech stocks, Amazon, of course, leading the way, got hammered. Uh, some others uh, dropped as well, but uh, Amazon was the big one. Talk about why that was and uh, how that affects uh, the rest of the marketplace. Well, we kind of had a twofold thing going on on Friday. You know, one of them is the mask mandate. And, and some of the mask mandates get so ridiculous to me. And, and I, I look at it like this, Tom, and this is fake news, by the way. Um, but do you have your, your uh, um, MMR mask? Do you have that? Because you had the vaccine, so wouldn't you have an MMR mask too? Or? I do not. All right. How about do you have a polio mask? I know you had a polio vaccine. Uh, no, but you have a polio mask. Remember, just, polio, just was, polio was uh, did not – there was a great meme yesterday, and it, and it makes a lot of sense. Polio and smallpox did not get to herd immunity. Polio and smallpox were eradicated by vaccines. Mm -hmm. So anybody out there that's not taking the vaccine, um, you know. But, you know, the, the whole thing about this is um, – I, I go both ways. I can see where, where you know, we should all still keep wearing masks. I could kind of see that unless you've already had it or had the vaccine, and then you should have to. But everybody else, maybe still wear, keep wearing masks if you don't want to. I, I could see that. The other side of it is that at some point in time, and I think we're here, is this. If you've had the vaccine or you've had COVID, take your mask off. Um, if you haven't, put the mask on. And for businesses saying you have to have the vaccine, I don't think they have the right to do that. But... If I'm a business owner saying, okay, you don't have to get the vaccine, but you're going to be tested by a nasal swab twice a week um, because as a business owner, I need to make sure all my employees are here. And if you're sick, I don't want you spreading it to the other people that haven't been vaccinated. Right. So you're going to subject yourself to a, a test for twice a week. We're going to give you a, a nasal swab as you're coming into work. Um, and, and so I don't see anything wrong with that. But for us to now mandate masks for everybody who's had the vaccination or who has had COVID is just, just going to be Well, the idea is no that uh, it's not about so much the person who was vaccinated getting COVID. It's about passing it along um, to other people. And, and you, oh, might, yeah, you, yeah, might, yeah. you might have it, and the vaccine is protecting you from really getting sick or being hospitalized, yeah. but you could pass it along. Now, what's but but it's, it's interesting that, though, there, there are people on one side of the political spectrum that don't want any um, requirements to get vaccinated for businesses. They It's okay when the government can tell businesses – to not do something or do something, but in this situation, they're saying businesses, even healthcare providers, should not uh, force their employees to get vaccinated. I, I don't. I think it fails the Constitution if it goes to the Supreme Court on whether you can force somebody to be vaccinated. I think it fails, my opinion, and I don't think the government should tell us that we have to do it. But we have for, we have to. we have forced vaccines, with the exception of if you have quote unquote. Uh, religious reasons not to get it uh, for other conditions for school children when they enter school they have to have mumps measles and other vaccines yeah but look that that's falling apart too and and you know what maybe we were more sheeple back in the 40s and the 50s <laughs> just to listen but, uh, but maybe I don't we actually believe professionals more back in the 40s well and 50s. there's probably a lot of truth to that uh, there is now i have to put this out there folks because i remember reading the article and last night i looked and tried to find it and i couldn't 
I remember reading the article when they were talking about the vaccines. We were having a big discussion around the fire last night about, you know, vaccines and, you know, they're working, not working, what's going on with it. And one of the people that are with us is an HR director. And, you know, so we had a really good conversation. We had some younger people in here who think everything's a conspiracy. So it was a big discussion we had. And I remember reading the article earlier on, folks, where they talked about the mRNA vaccines, which is, of course, what's out there. That's the uh, the Pfizer and the BioNTech that's going on. Uh, Johnson & Johnson is more of the traditional type. But nonetheless, they go through, and, and people say, well, geez, um, I got the vaccine when, because I, or I'm sorry, I got COVID because I got the vaccine. The answer is no, you can't because the mRNA is not a weakened strain, which is what polio and MMR and everything else was. So it's not a weakened strain. They take out a section. You know, if you look at a ruler, they took out the one-inch mark, and you're getting the one-inch mark, which just stops you from getting sick if you get the, va- the virus. So, so that being said, I remember the article saying that we, are, we very well could still be getting it and going through our system. We just don't know it because it doesn't attach to us. Our, our body takes care of it, um, uh, sheds it, it's out. We don't know because we didn't get sick. So as I'm going through and I'm reading some of this stuff, um, it wouldn't surprise me if we're seeing some of that happening in certain areas. I know NPR published an article, which I'm not really sure if it's true or not because I'm not sure about NPR. I'm sorry. Tom, are you okay? I see smoke coming from your ears. Well, that you're, right. just, you're just playing into those uh, conspiracy theory you fears that I you can't seeing, believe. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. love seeing that look uh-huh. on your yeah, face. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, they t- you know, some people who were, having, were testing positive um, um, had already had the vaccine. And so I wonder if some of that is certainly coming through. But the one thing that I don't see, which I think would be enormously helpful to not only the news media, but to business and everybody else that's out there. So, okay. Um, we know right now that the people who are you know, hospitalized and passing away with COVID, and, and, and God bless them, um, are not vaccinated. Um, so we, we know that. In fact, it's some 99% um, uh, floating up and down around 99%. And so we know that that's the case. Um, so I'd like to know what I think would be interesting is the people who are testing positive, um, how many of them that are testing positive um, got sick? Or how many are testing positive required hospitalization or something like that? Because I think that would lead us to to the, uh, the, the question of um, are we as a society having, having vaccinated um, as those early articles that I had read and, and, and unfortunately, again, I can't find it, um, are those uh, telling us that we're getting it, we're just not getting sick, um, but it's still going through the population yet. And so if that were being the case, uh, get the vaccine so you're not going to get sick when it comes around. Yeah. So especially if you're in those vulnerable ages. Let's go to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Morning. This is Bill. Hey, Bill. Good morning, Bill. What's up? Uh, well, I just since you guys were talking about COVID, yeah. I have it. I um, mm-hmm. I got it this week. I was on vacation. Yeah. And I thought I'd just call in and tell everybody that I'm vaccinated and I still got it. And okay. So it's pretty nasty. Okay. Hmm. Uh, do you yeah. know which vaccine you had, Bill? And again, this Moderna. is Moderna. Oh, you have Moderna. Okay. So yeah. Uh, so the 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 big thing that supposed to do is to make it so um you don't get it or if you do get, get it it's not going to be as serious yeah. as it would it would have been otherwise so i guess look at it this bill, way you're home look at it this way bill if you wouldn't have been vaccinated and you got it it'd probably be worse than what you're having right now yeah it's like a really really bad cold it starts off with a teeny teeny cough yeah. and you feel like you have to cough you know like your lung tickles yeah and then about Five hours later, it's full on, and the first two nights are the worst. And now, you know, I'm just 
all stuffed up and, and yeah. I'm kind of over the coffee part, but you know, my oxygen seems to be fine and um you know, I mean that's just the way it is. But yeah. that's all I had to say. All I, right, I don't no, want to bother if you I, guys. Thanks, Bill, bye. Can I ask you how old are you? Sixty three. Sixty three. All right. So the reason I'm saying is my, my I tell you what you're 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 in uh you're you know, sixty three is a true age, you're you're in that that bad age where people were just having such a hard time with the lungs. And so, you know, if it's not settling into your lungs and that whole bit we've seen, maybe the vaccine is doing what it's supposed to. It's keeping you out of the hospital and keeping you from, uh, you know, going worse in ventilators and that whole bit. Yep. So, Bill, thank you for sharing. Appreciate it. All right, 715-845-2155. We'll get out, off of the COVID talk and talk more about uh, the investment world. If you have a question about one of your investments or your plans for investing in the market or maybe not investing in the market, Give us a call, and Merle can uh, tackle those questions for you. 715-845-2155. We'll be right back. My dad served in Vietnam, the 82nd Airborne Division. He never talked about it, and my mom knew not to ask. And neither do we. Catch up on what's going on. Both local and global. Say la vie. Central Wisconsin's News Talk 550 and 99.9 WSAU-FM. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King along with Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates here in Wausau. And the phone number, 715-845-2155, is the number to call if you have a question for Merle this morning. You know, Tom, uh, the market this past week, uh, though they ended lower, really as a result of the Amazon announcements, um, you know, the profit's not quite hitting what they expected or where they were going to go. You know, but there's a thing in here. I have this conversation with clients over the course of this past week. As a matter of fact, this is half from an article that I'm talking about by William Watts saying uh, stocks lower after Amazon disappointment. Oh, look, I just said that. Uh, but the S&P 500 logs its sixth straight monthly gain. And so we'll have so many people saying, well, how can we have so many monthly gains? And it goes back to there's so much cash out there looking for someplace to buy or looking for something to buy. You know, retail sales are still continuing to be off the hook as far as money going to the marketplace. So with the market up the way it is, then what do you buy? You're supposed to buy low. What's out there that's uh, being hurt a little bit that uh, looks like a bargain? Um, at this particular point in time, you have to look around for values if you're looking for individual value stocks. Um, uh, that'd be the place to go, and value funds still continue to do very well. The question right now that we don't know, Tom, is are we going to continue to keep driving farther from here? And that's a big thing that's out right now. If we take a look at, folks, um, you know, the first half of the year, if you're investing inside of the stock market at least reasonably, you're probably having rate of returns anywhere between 8 to as much as 15% for the first half of the year. And I actually had somebody say, well, great, that's going to be awesome because it's going to double for the second half of the year. Eh, eh, hold on. Probably not. You know, what's happened is, is a lot of this market drive going up, folks, is as a result of all this money that's out there looking for some place to go. Um, and the belief is, is that um, uh, COVID is, has been uh, kicked in the can and is, is uh, going away. Well, but that, that, that's Hence, sort of yes, been tempered not, a little not, bit now. Now we see what happened Friday yeah. a few weeks ago. Um, but with that being the case... Um, all this market's been driving in, the market's been growing for what's expected to come. So now the question becomes is what's happening with corporate profits this past week? Corporate profits have been pretty good, um, Amazon uh, notwithstanding, but generally your, your big bellwether companies are doing just fine, and we should continue to have some growth throughout the course of this year. So with that being the case then, what happens? Is COVID um, uh, coming back to a point where we're going to have to shut down? Um, so the market's ascertaining back and forth what's going to be the case. So is, are we at a point then, Tom, in saying where do we go 
Remember, whenever you used to go into a recession or event, you probably remember conversations we had going back into 2008 is what do you do? And they say you buy defensive stocks. When I mean defensive stocks, I don't mean you go in and buy Northrop Grumman, different type of a defensive stock. But you start buying stocks and buying investments and in things that you know, uh, things that you use. For example, I'm looking at a Bic pen with my iPhone, uh, iPad in front of me, my uh, uh, you know headphones, and uh, I'll probably have some Campbell's soup later. So you, know, so you have all the things that you, you know. Um, you start looking around and saying, okay, we're going to buy these because we're going to continue to keep using these things if we do start slowing down from an economic standpoint. And so that's the things to look at. I don't know for that point in time, but that's the stuff you start looking at. You say you start thinking, are any of those stocks on sale at the moment where you might want to start buying them? One of the other so-called defensive stocks or defensive uh, places to go traditionally have been gold, silver, precious metals. Oil and gas, yeah. Yeah. Is that still functional or is that more problematic these days? We'll find out. It seems to be more problematic. Um, uh, Bitcoin is throwing a wrench into gold, though gold has gone up. Uh, Bitcoin is throwing a wrench in where people believe that Bitcoin is going to be the new gold, which it's it's not because gold you can hold, Bitcoin you can't. Um, uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, the fuel and oil and gas stocks over the course of this year have been spectacular. I mean, fantastic. Uh, they've gone up because we had, you know, we weren't driving last year. Um, so this year we're starting to move around and driving. So those stocks have really had a, a comeback to them. So, um, uh, and they have been good, but not because of a recessionary standpoint, just because we're using the product. Their inventories are back up again. Um, we're flying around just about as much as we were before. Hotels are up, so we're starting to move about the world and country. So, uh, but well, we'll see. Um, so many people say, well, what's going to happen? I said, well, we really don't know. I mean, the Federal Reserve, which didn't do anything to interest rates this past week, we don't know what's going to happen. This is the first time we ever shut an economy off. And, and I'm not talking about just the U.S., which is the largest economy, but we basically shut the world off, and now we're turning it back on. We've never done this before, so we don't know exactly how it's going to play out. Um, you know, inflation still becomes a, a concern in the sense that is it really using the Fed's term because the word's too big for me, uh, is his inflation really transitory where it's going to be temporary? We don't know the answer to that stuff yet. Typically, things like cars and houses aren't transitory. Those prices usually stick. So, well, I mean, we don't know. We'll see. But we have to keep watching what's happening with the profits of corporate America and, and what's going to happen with COVID. Are we going to shut down or not? The mask mandate will wrestle through that. I don't know if anybody knows the right answer, but it does seem like Science has completely escaped people. Well, the tech stocks we talked about, uh, there were problems in the Chinese market last week. If anybody has Chinese holdings, uh, you would shake your head at that uh, because of what's going on there. And one of the articles I was reading about that, uh, this guy said, Cody Willard's his name on MarketWatch, says that we should also be wary in particular of small, small cap stocks here in the United States as well. Why would they be behaving any differently at this point than large caps or the big Chinese caps. stocks? No, uh, American, American small caps. He's oh. say, saying that, uh, that that you should be wary of those at this point in time, too. Uh, there's really good good uh, good statement in here. Um, American small caps tend to be the direction where things are going. So if you're in a recessionary type of an event um, and you're coming out of the recessionary type of an event, generally you'll have money managers, money will start flowing into small and mid caps because they're typically the ones that come out faster because they'll recognize the business quicker. And you'll see those stocks start growing quicker because they're usually the, the new, the fast, the upcoming uh, things that are coming up. But when things start going to hell in a handbasket, they also tend to be the ones that start dipping quicker first because now people are saying, well, geez, I don't want that sort of stuff. Um, I'm going to go to the big, the large, the defensive, as we talked about before. And so, again, 
Um, it's just looking where you are from this macroeconomic cycle. Are we are we going to recessionary event? Not going to recessionary event? And and so are we in one? It, who knows? I mean, we we just don't know at this point in time. We have to give it more time, more numbers. And I think, contrary to wherever somebody believes about the jobs and a three hundred dollar bonus, we we got to see what happens afterwards if those people start coming back into the system to help work building up that supply chain. Um, um, I, I think we have better vision as we start coming around into about October. All right, we're going to take a break for some news. If you have a question for Earl, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. I have a lifetime of experience as a financial planner, a lawyer, a homemaker, an educator, a mechanic, a nurse. You know what I am now? I'm a Senior Corps RSVP volunteer. Act student ambassadors receive in-depth training on the issue and design a project to raise awareness, reduce victimization, and disrupt demand. Any student around the world can sign up for PAC's online training program and learn how to stop child trafficking. Go to PAC.city to sign up for the one-hour course today. With PACT, we declare not one more victim. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelchin Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, along with Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. You know, Tom, I think eventually we're just going to have a whole show of disclaimers. <laughs> just we got to get the guy that can. got to get the guy that can read them really fast. You know, well, the, yeah. <laughs> you know, so one of the things that we're seeing happen as of late is China cracking down on companies, and so we look at this stuff, and and, and literally, um, um, the 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 light head and the light bulb head and the light bulbs the head and the light bulbs look. The deer in the headlights look uh, is starting to come along. You know, so um, China's come down and cracking down on various companies, especially tech companies. Um, and uh, some it's educational company, uh, oh, geez, I never get the name. Is it DD Diddle, 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 Bull Sheep, something like that? But they're cracking down on it. And what's interesting is that um, I literally heard some people on TV talk about it, saying, well, how can China just go through and just, just do things? And and uh, you know, not consult anybody. Isn't it? Isn't it against the Constitution? And and the commentator just kind of looked at it and said, "Excuse me, they're a communist country. They're going to do whatever they want to, and there really isn't a Constitution as we have with ours. They're not necessarily free people. So we're finding that a lot of the companies that have company stocks that are selling in the U.S. Um, we really don't own the shares. And uh, what ends up happening is that we own a piece of. Um, the actual profit if the company's making a profit, of course, and some of these the profit is determined or just simply set by whatever the Chinese government says that is making. And so as a result of this, there's been such a taint to the Chinese companies out there um, for them to change or to get rid of it that you're having a lot of people that are getting away from the actual Chinese stock. And so Tom was joking with me before and says, do you have any Chinese stock? I said, zero. Um, because to me, it's, again, not a real representation so if you're- that you're actually owning a stock is if you're owning a Ford or General Motors or an IBM or, you know, something like that. So if you're buying international or global mutual funds, those do not include Chinese companies? Um, some of them probably do, um, but I, I certainly guarantee that they're watched over quite sharply. So I don't think you're out there buying mutual funds that contain 80% Chinese stock. Highly doubt it. 
Uh, but there's probably some in there, um, I would say. But um, all that stuff, almost all the mutual funds that we buy that are global or international are all brought to USD denominations. And that would solve a lot of the problems. But for individual stocks, boy, I have a hard time buying uh, Chinese stocks because, again, it's a communist country. They can change their mind. Remember, folks, and I don't remember the exact year, but after the Chinese Revolution, they just said, okay, um, all the American companies that were here, they're no longer yours. Get out. And then they kept all the businesses and kept running under their own, own name. Um, it's a communist country. This is what they do. So there can't be any surprise that we see strange stuff happen as a result of these companies. So uh, that being said, don't invest in communist countries. But if you're, okay, say you're investing in, in global and international and you've always said diversity, uh, diversification, you need to do that. Yeah. What portion of your portfolio at this point should be in global or international? Uh, well, it, it's different for everybody. I mean, it, the amount that you'd have instead of international is going to be dependent upon you talking to your financial advisor. Um, I'm sorry, the new term is now uh, financial professional, Tom. We have a new, pro new term. Okay, okay. Um, so you talk to your financial professional and sit down and talk with them. But generally, if you look at constructed portfolios, it, it, you know, usually 20 to 30% should be international. And the reason is if you look at the um, alternate or the volatility between using U.S. and international, they have tend to have negative correlations. And that's about the right between that mix to get uh, the best rate of return, least amount of risk based upon efficient market frontier modern portfolio theory. Okay, so that was my attempt at a disclaimer there. So, so as much as that, I'll have a lot of people say, well, really? Yeah, you put the mix, it, it really works out. It helps take out the big waves out of your system, out of your portfolio that you have. Um, and it works. So, so that would be the range. But, you know, I prefer not to have a country-specific portfolio. But our clients will try not to use international. I actually try to use global, which can, can include the U.S. Um, but I don't like it. You know, like, for example, Fidelity Funds does a great job. Um, within its fund things where you can have specifically country or region specific funds. So you could get a Euro-centric like uh, mutual fund or oh, an yeah, Asia-centric yeah, mutual fund. You, you can actually, at one particular point in time, I don't know if it's still out there, but you could actually buy debt from Brazil, um, I mean, or stocks from Brazil. I'm just giving a name for an example. Um, you can actually get that detail should you choose it. I, I prefer not to because I, I don't want to be tied to one country. I'd rather have a global approach. Let the Let the fund managers do that job. Um, what I don't speak, uh, you know, Portuguese, so what, what I know in Brazil. Yeah. So, so all those sort of things. But you can get that type of diversification, and I recommend it. Um, uh, you need it if you're investing in the U.S. You have to have the things that have a negative correlation. It's that diversification that makes a difference. And you put it in there and you watch it. Now, we're finding a lot of people are having some difficulty right now inside of portfolios. In fact, I just got a, a text from uh, um, a, a client of ours that said, you know, hey, this is what we've done over the course of the last year in a portfolio. Did we mention rate of return? And his rate of return was, was phenomenal. This is inside of his pension, that whole bit. Um, uh, in fact, it was, he just showed me a clip from, uh, sent me a clip from his portfolio. Uh, 12 years, 49%, 49.92 uh, is the number. It's phenomenal. But what we did is we straightened out some of the problems that he had. And some of those same problems are starting to come out right now, and that's it's, it's bond portfolios. We're seeing them over the course of the last uh, two months, um, negative almost across the board for bond portfolios inside of uh, inside of uh, uh, accounts and so that might be something to watch again folks interest rates go up bonds come down in value 
And though the Federal Reserve has increased interest rates, the marketplace has been increasing mar- uh, interest rates uh, inside their bidding. And so well, we're seeing bond portfolios. I would imagine public. if people see that, uh, negative bond portfolios across the board, they're calling you and saying, move all of that money into stocks. And you're saying, hang on, we don't really well, want to do that, right? Or do you want to do it that? It all becomes upon a diversification, whatever the client is. Um, uh, for example, we have a number of clients that we don't have any bond portfolios, but we don't put the money inside of the stock market. Again, remember, diversification is having some bonds um, because they offset stocks from a risk standpoint. Um, but if we have the ability to, it depends upon where it is, if we can have something that's non-stock but we can still have make some money on it, we're going to use that. So we've used, um, for clients this year, using floating rate funds. Again, funds, folks, I'm not telling you to run out and buy this stuff, Okay. We've got, you know, several hundred clients in the office. I'm just talking about a few here, so I just want to give that disclaimer out to everyone. But rather than using bonds in a portfolio right now, which are so poorly priced, we've used floating rate funds. And, and they're, Tom, they're not killing the world. What are, what are they? A, a floating rate fund is a fund that either uh, – floating. they're also called bank share funds. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a class of funds, just like you'd have a large cap or a small cap or something like that. Um, but what it is is mutual fund companies and insurance companies will borrow money um, to corporations. So banks, if they want to borrow money to you, they want to make it five or ten years. Sometimes corporations only want to borrow money for um, a year or maybe two. So mutual fund companies have so much cash and as well as insurance companies, they'll borrow them money and almost always secured by assets. So it's really, really secured notes. They'll borrow money for a year or two. And they'll usually take what's called a, like a LIBOR rate or a, a treasury rate of a 30 or a two-year, whichever they choose. Um, that plus whatever is whatever the interest rate is. So if the interest rates go up, they make a little bit more money on them. So um, so these types of funds, this year, for example, not burning up the world. Maybe you're getting 25 to 3% interest rate, but it's for half a year. It's not bad. So that then we don't have a problem with, with rising interest rates. Because if interest rates go up, which makes bond prices come down, if interest rates go up with a floating rate fund, you get a little bit more interest. And so in here, it allows us to still have something that's non-stock, which is the reason you have a bond in a portfolio for the diversification. Again, that up and down, up and down stuff. Um, but also have it so we don't have that susceptibility to a dropping um, a bond marketplace when interest rates go up, we're actually going to make some money. And so that's how we try to solve some of those problems we see in portfolios when we see negatives with bond prices coming down. Um, so there's always another way to do it. We just have to figure out what the client wants to achieve and then find out which pieces of the puzzle to put together, to put them back together and make them whole once again. So that's some pretty heavy-duty stuff. <laughs> what percentage of your clients have made the jump into cryptocurrency? I, I know you're not a fan, but have your any of your clients uh, convinced you that crypto should be part of their portfolios? No. None? Very, very few. And, and it, 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 this, is, this is how much I, I disbelieve in cryptocurrency. I think it's here to stay. Okay, let me make sure you say that. And I also think it's a, it's a great idea, and I think the security of it is finding its way into other stuff. But the problem is, is with the lack of regulation to it, um, it's a bet, and I don't like bets. So when we invest inside of a marketplace, I like to make sure that um, we're investing inside of something we can hold on to, grab onto. We know what it is. It's actually a hard asset. Now, cryptocurrencies are not that. So, so with it, I know we have some of our clients that have cryptocurrencies, um, but we, as in Merle, has not provided or sold it to them because I just don't believe it's the right place 
that we should be from an investment. I think it's a problem waiting to happen. I don't know if you saw this or not. The uh, the infrastructure deal that's being discussed in the Senate, one of the uh, provisions in that infrastructure deal is new tax reporting requirements on cryptocurrency and digital asset transactions. And uh, according to a draft copy of the deal reviewed by MarketWatch, the bill would require any person who regularly provides a service that executes transfers of digital assets to report those transactions to the IRS, Mm -hmm. like securities brokers must do for stock and bond trades. It would also require businesses to report digital asset transactions of more than $10,000. Now, that's, I guess, some of the regulation you're talking about that would try to bring some transparency into this marketplace. Of course, the... uh, the uh, movers and shakers in cryptocurrency don't like to have that kind of uh, well, no, uh, scrutiny. They have to pay taxes. On. Right, right. But the, the, the part I don't like about, um, I'm, I'm picking on, on Bitcoin specifically. Um, and again, Bitcoin is not a company. Um, there's not an administrator. There's not an entity. There's no 800 number. So, so if you don't have your key, the money's just gone. You lost it. I don't think that's right. I think there should be some sort of a backdrop. We have the ability to say, okay, if something happens, we have the ability to uh, to redo it. But not only that, but an article I read maybe about a month or so ago, there's 5,200 cryptocurrencies out there right now. And so that seems to be crazy. But here's what I do like. Um, uh, when you have various companies that are out there that are doing the processing of cryptocurrency, such as you can pay for um, your whatever they want to buy, and we'll do the processing of cryptocurrency. They don't care if cryptocurrency goes up or down, but they can process it. I like those companies. We've done very, very well with those uh, throughout the course of this year and buying those companies that process cryptocurrency. Is the oversight of cryptocurrency, is that going to fall under the purview of the SEC at some point like stocks and bonds are? I'd be surprised if it didn't. Um, I think also we see the IRS, as you just read in the article, it's starting to pop back up again, saying, okay, if you're going to use this, that's fine, but uh, you're going to pay us. Uh, China just simply said, we don't want you using cryptocurrency. And one of the reasons in China is a little bit different. Remember, uh, China is a communist country, and in that they want to keep control of everything, and there's assets leaving China um, uh, through cryptocurrency. It's being purchased there. It's going into uh, the crypto world and being uh, taken back out in different places, and there's money exiting China. So um, so they're cracking down on it too, and it's it's going to keep going around, I'm pretty sure. All right, we'll take a break here. We'll come back with more. If you have a question from Earl, we've got some time left, 715-845-2155. We'll be right back on WSAU. Now, this day, here's Chris Conley. There was something brand new in a silent movie on this day, July 31st. My daughter Brinley is here at St. Jude. Coming here was literally life or death and so scary, but St. Jude is fighting for one goal. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. We're back in the studio. I'm Tom King along with Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. All right. You know what's amazing, folks, is that uh, the crack ear of Tom after years of training, he says, did you guys redo that promo? Oh, yeah, that's right. It was a new <laughs> broker dealer, so he caught that. It's a good it, it sounded a little different. You know, I haven't been here in the studio on Saturday for, I think, 
three weeks in a row. So yeah. just getting uh, reaccustomed to everything here, and that yeah. just well, sounded nice different. to have you back from all this vacation. Yeah, yeah. Day, you know, so. No vacation until Thanksgiving now, so yeah. you're stuck with me for a while. All right. Well, likewise, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> so the article is out here by uh, Myra Zifong, and I pop it up for a, a pretty good reason. And, and so, you know, people say, well, Merle, what do you look at when you look at investing? And so I'll come back to this article in a second. Hang on. Is, is I like to, you know, I, I, I like different industries, but I prefer like the servicing to the industries. And so we had talked about just before, you know, the cryptocurrency. I, you know, I'm not a big fan of Bitcoin. If you've ever listened to this program for the last two years, you mm. know that. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the processing of Bitcoin, it's, somebody's going to use it. I mean, the cryptocurrency. And so I like the companies that do the processing of the Bitcoin payments. So if you want to buy, uh, Tom, your latte and you want to uh, use a couple of your pieces of your Bitcoin, um, I like the companies that are doing the processing of that because they're doing very well for us this year. Um, and so somebody said, well, what are the name of those companies? And I, I can't give them out to you with all the stuff and all that sort of legalese, folks. But look at that. So so the other part of that is they go through and they talk about this article uh, with Myra Seafong. She says oil futures end up higher for a fourth straight month, which is true. And, and also in here, what's interesting is part of the article, um, uh, they talk about say oil futures remain hyper-focused on the draws to U.S. crew product inventories. Again, we got a bunch of inventory. We're starting to get out there and drive. And so it says that the expended will continue or that uh, draw should continue on in the coming month um, and strengthening refinery margins to entice stronger crude runs. So this is also what's called a, a, a spread in here. So uh, for refiners, they don't care what the price of oil is because if the price is a dollar, they're going to charge $2 for their processing fee. For example, it doesn't matter if the price of oil is $5, $10, $100, they're going to keep charging a $2, for example, uh, per gallon or per barrel for refining whatever they're going to refine. So I love that. I love pipeliners because pipeliners are going to make money as long as stuff is going through. They don't care what the price is. And so I love those when you start getting inside of these big commodities markets that have the big you know, price swings left and right and all over the place. Um, even, for example, we found a, a medical company, Tom. Um, one of our clients says, you know, I'd like to get something inside of medical. So should I buy something more that has, you know, pharmaceuticals or something like that? So well, let me dig up and see what I find. And so I started doing some digging. And I found a company that makes money no matter what happens inside of the medical part of the world because they're the ones that are either manufacturing, distributing, you know, the masks, the, the gowns, the, uh, the booties, um, if you need little plastic clips, all this sort of stuff that goes on. They make all that stuff. And you look at their balance sheet. And for the course of the last 15 years, Tom, They've never had a negative return on their stock or their balance sheet. They just keep making money, supplying everything for all the medical manufacturers. And I love that stuff, folks. I love companies that are doing all the supplying, the building, the background, doing all the hard work behind all the big companies that we see. They're the ones making all the stuff happen on the inside. I love those companies. It kind of goes back to me, and I can't think of his name, the founder of um, a Blockbuster, who had worked for Waste Management for a long time. They said, well, how do you do this stuff? He says, well, I like to find the stuff that nobody else wants to do, and then we'll make a business out of it, and it always tends to do real well. I believe that was so, Wayne Heisinga. Was that his name? I think. It kind of rings a bell. But he uh, he sold out of waste management and then uh, started Blockbuster, and that did real well, and he sold that, and he's probably doing okay. So I like that. And so watch around for that stuff, folks. If you ever want to look around for an opportunity, look around for a company if you're looking at individual stocks, one that provides all the background and the basis for all the stuff that you see that's out there, um, I always think that's one of the best ways to uh, get started on something new and something going forward and making it bigger. It was Wayne Heisinga, the owner of uh, Waste Management and Blockbuster Video. Look at there. I would see, imagine. The beautiful of the Internet, Tom. Think about this. When we started this 20-some years ago, <laughs> yeah. uh, 
it would have never come up yet. That, that's true. That's, that's what we'd be waiting for it, or else I'd still be looking it up in a book. I was going to clean out my desk. I've got some. I've got some reference books in there that list like you know every TV show and every movie that had ever been made up to that point with plots, you know, points in the cast and all of that. I said, you know, I can throw these away. I don't need them anymore. Yeah. All of that information is available on the internet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, folks, you could either get rid of the internet if you had like a, a eleven or twelve year old daughter. Because they already know everything, too, so you can get rid of the internet if you have one of those. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> those of you who have 11- and 12-year-old daughters are probably just, shaking just your head going, oh, yeah, that's exactly mine. right. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I tell you what, we're just about out of time here for today. Um, if folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? Monday morning, stop it and see us. 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street in Wassa. Come on in, kick the tires, have a cup of coffee. You can call us locally, 715-849-3600. Outside of the Wassa area at 866-355-5100 or find us online at kelchandassociates.com. All right, we'll talk to you again next week. See you next week, my friend. Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates here in Wausau. We've got uh, the news on the way. The Polka Show is coming up as well. The Brewers return to action tonight. They're on the road at Atlanta. They won last night. They'll be back at it tonight. Pre-game show right here at 545 on WSAU. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -hmm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen.